Thank you, Robert Garcia, for joining me today. Take two. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. It just feels so familiar with you like we've done this before. (laughs) Uh, Super excited to be here and to share my story with your audience. Uh, Thank you so much for this opportunity. It's going to be great. I am so excited about this, and you've agreed to a two-part series. This uh, part is going to be centered around you personally, your life, and the second part is going to be centered around business. So the listeners are going to really be able to take a deep dive in who you are, how you became you, how you live, and then how you can help them. I love this. I'm, I'm really excited uh, just to be able to share my story to inspire people that might not come from the most perfect background and to show them what is capable uh, when you put your mind to stuff. And you definitely did not come from anywhere near the perfect background. And that's where I wanted to start. I wanted to start with your childhood. You, when we were talking beforehand, you were talking about being raised by five dysfunctional women. Can you describe for us your childhood? Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in a, uh, a small logging town, in Northern California. And, um, about 90% of my family members were hardcore drug addicts or alcoholics. Um, there were prison visits, there were arrests, there was constant fighting. Um, I moved 11, no, 16 times from first to 11th grade. Um, and I was just surrounded by total and utter dysfunction and failure. Um, and then we got to, uh, I started high school and I ended up having to live with my grandmother who was a hoarder, uh, her house, just floor to ceiling, uh, garbage, cockroaches, mice. Uh, I was in moldy clothes going to high school, just trying to fit in, picked on a lot by bigger guys and, um, ended up failing out of high school due to a learning disability and then I failed out of the next two colleges I attended. Um, and at 21, I was sleeping on the floor and I couldn't afford meat. I was literally at the lowest point in my life and I uh, joined the Air Force. And then from then on, I started building stability and, uh, and success. Not being taken care of inside the home and then not finding any reprieve outside the home. What was that like for you in your young life? How did you survive day to day? I spent a lot of time crying alone, um, especially as a little kid. I, I just was always sad. I was always depressed, and I didn't really understand the root cause of it, and I didn't realize the level of dysfunction I was, I was surrounded by. I, back then, like, you didn't call CPS if you saw a kid that was always, like, wearing dirty clothes or, you know, not eating or anything like that. It was just kind of accepted, and um, it was just uh, – I don't know. I started skateboarding in like eighth grade and I used that as a way to just get the hell out of the house and not be around these people as much as possible. And that's why at 19, I moved to Phoenix. Um, I didn't know any, anybody. And I just moved 1500 miles away just to get as far away from all of that as I could. And outside of visits, you know, I never moved back home. I know some people that did and it just, it's not me. When did your sadness turn into rage? When did you become angry? Um, really start coming out in the military. Um, I spent a lot of time working out, running. Um, it never manifested it in a negative way though. Usually people that are, they have emotional issues. They get into fights, they do stupid stuff. They put their hands through walls, stuff like that. Um, and it never, I was always able to control myself. Um, which I'm very grateful for. Um, I didn't abuse drugs. I didn't abuse alcohol. I, I just tried to really be positive with the, the stuff that I do. 
Um, I only served one active duty hitch before I joined the reserves. And in that time, um, all I did was I volunteered at Shriners. I uh, did muscular dystrophy camp twice. I did a lot of school. So when I finally left the Air Force after my first enlistment, you know, we're talking like two and a half years maybe after uh, basic and tech schools, uh, I had a bachelor's, two associates, and a minor. And that was uh, my, my stepping stone because I tried to apply to officer school and I tried to apply to the FBI to both of them and both of them DQ'd me because of my math scores. And in hindsight, it, it was a, a, good, uh, a good thing. I didn't become either of those. Were you leaving when you left and you went to Arizona? Uh-huh. If Based on the conversation that we had, you left to go to Arizona for a relationship. No, if- I was leaving a relationship. You were leaving a relationship, so you were escaping family and. Yeah, I just went out with someone. They, they moved away to go to college and they came back and it was just, I was, you know, like all 19 year olds, deeply, deeply in love and wanting to get married. And um, they came back a different, completely different person and felt nothing for me. It was awesome. And so I ended up, uh, just my heart hurt really bad. And so I just moved to Phoenix. I just had enough. There was nothing there for me. And I, I'm not gonna, I was not going to stay around that town and just have to run into this person once in a while. Um, and, and today we're sort of like acquaintances on Facebook, which is cool. And she's traveling the world and doing stuff, and that's fine. But uh, that was the last time I ever loved somebody with all my heart and wanted to get married. And so I just moved to Phoenix and started my life. Do you ever reflect on that? And is there, do you ever think, had she not broken your heart, had she not been that drive to get out of Eureka, California and go somewhere else that your life might've taken a different turn? We absolutely would have gotten divorced after a while. Um, and I would have, I would have made some life choice. It would have been stupid. Um, so ultimately everything worked out optimally in, in, in a really good way. So I, I don't hold any ill will towards her because I, I look at it from her point of view. Sometimes if it was me that would have left and gone to college. I, I would have lost my mind. I would have just partied and, and, you know, met new girls and just moved on my life instead of holding on to somebody. And I was, I was very needy back then too. I wasn't a fun person to date. I just, it's my first real girlfriend. And I, I, ugh, I just think about how I was and I was just like, God, dude, you deserve to be left. It's terrible. Well, we could definitely <laughs> unpack that. And the, you know, the, <laughs> the, the interviewee or the interviewer in me would love to unpack that. But I think, Let's concentrate on, so you went to Phoenix, Arizona, and because you left, your path, your life started on a, on a different trajectory than had you stayed. I was trying to be an electronic technician. Um, that was my, my goal. Just finished a variety, be an electronic technician, make the whopping sum of $42,000 a year, probably fixing pinball machines or something stupid. But, but um, my first two semesters, I was all A's and B's. I was skateboarding all the time just to, for stress relief. I was sleeping on the floor and, and I had very little food. I was also very tan and very skinny. I was pro- it was probably the peak of my physical uh, appearance. And surprisingly enough, I never, ever dated when I was there. Um, that's, that's when you should be dating when you're, you know, 20, 21. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, yeah, that was, that was uh, the life path. And then it started to go south. Um, I just couldn't focus on my studies. And um, I had the... I had the desire, but not the aptitude and not the, um, the commitment that I do today. I, I didn't start really getting into committing to stuff and like never quitting until I was in my late twenties. And so it was just too much. 
Um, my life was just freaking miserable. I was just skateboarding all the time just to that. That's just all I, the only thing I loved in life. And, uh, and then uh, I just finally had to join the military and my recruiter, God bless him. He, he saw um, how I was living and he brought me a bag of food uh, after he saw my ASVAB scores. He was super excited because I was uh, really good at electronics. Right. Well, that makes sense about the skateboarding because that was your escape. That was your first healthy escape from what your home life was. Yeah, it was a creative outlet. And it, um, skateboarders aren't known as being the most uh, ambitious people in the world. Some of them are downright criminal, but uh, I had every city I've ever moved to, I've always had a, a little crew of skateboarders and it's always, it's always brought, attracted really good people in my life. So I had a crew in Eureka, I had one in Arizona and then Louisiana when I was active duty. And now I have one in San Diego. And uh, so I met my best friend actually, and we haven't skated in probably six years, but it was just the, it was what brought us together originally when I moved here. Did he have the same, was there another connection with him? No, we are, we are Oscar and Felix. Um, he's a plumber with full sleeve tattoos and uh, just dates hairdressers. That's his, um, that's his jam. He came to my birthday party. It was just hilarious. But yeah, we've been friends since 03. And um, he's always been just an unbelievable friend. But we are definitely, we definitely are completely opposite uh, life views. We just both hate. <laughs> Your personality to me, uh, from, from my viewpoint, and I've known you for a very, very short time. But your personality to me, you're very, you're not pessimistic. You're it seems to me I'm not, I don't know if you would consider yourself an optimist, but you're very, you're, you seem happy. Are you happy? Yeah. Um, I have, I have a very unusual life. I mean, this is as asymmetrical as you can get guys, men in their forties are not supposed to live alone in a giant bachelor pad above a gourmet restaurant, um, in their dream city and wake up with a smile every day. Like uh, my life is unusually joyful at times. Most of the time I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of learning things and figuring stuff out. But ultimately when I look at other people I know that are, you know, dealing with divorce and child support and custody battles and they're always broke or they have a terrible boss and a corporate job they hate. I, I realize I'm like, dude, you're, you're pretty, pretty lucky, but it's also because you've been working for this since you were like 27. Mm -hmm. So, uh, am I happy? Yeah. I'm, um, there's a, there's a few things missing here and there, small things, but, um, overall, I mean, it just, uh, it's, I, I guess this is the life that a person, my personality creates. <laughs> you <laughs> one, one with an Avengers tablecloth. <laughs> <laughs> and you have you've designed this you have created this there was nothing in your background that set you up for okay. for success or anything that remotely seemed functional no um my magazine's called shift advanced life design for a reason why because we we have i want i want to really blow you away right we have the ability to choose our education, to choose our job, to choose who we date, to choose how much money we make, to choose our fitness levels, to choose what we're going to devote our hours in the day to. So why isn't everyone happy, Jacqueline? Let me ask you that. We have that much choice, right? We live in America. Why isn't everyone achieving at this level? Well, because there, there's this, 
there's this line of, and when you come from someone telling you you're less than and someone that is telling you you're not good enough and that you don't amount to anything. And it's that, it's that moment, that escape moment. And I believe we're all faced with that. And yours was moving away to Phoenix, Arizona, but it didn't take, you weren't leaving your family. You were leaving, you were trying to escape a broken heart. You're trying to escape what that situation was. A lot of folks don't take that window to remove themselves, whatever that looks like. It doesn't have to be another state. It doesn't have to be, mine was the Marine Corps. That, I was out, military, done. Let's, let's do this shit. Because I knew I had to leave in order to redesign. But I don't think a lot of people do. And I think that they believe what they're being told. Why didn't you believe what you were told? Not just by your family, but when you were going to school and you were being bullied. Why, why did you not just buy into it, keep trying to continue in Eureka, California, and end up that way? I hated every day I woke up and thought about her. Every mm -hmm. single day. It was like a, a dagger being shoved into my heart. Because everywhere I go, there's like a memory. It's a small town, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just... And even when I stayed with my sister a little bit, I found myself driving around places and just kind of thinking about stuff. And I wasn't, I don't have any like lingering uh, memories really that bug me or anything about it, but it just, uh, it, it, it's just, I, I just had to get away from it completely and try something new. It was the best thing I ever did. I mean, if you're in a bad situation or live in a, you know, a crime infested part of the city, move. God, it's not that hard. You save up a thousand bucks, you go stay somewhere and you just, you figure it out. So I, when I got out of the Air Force, I didn't have anything going for me. My education was done, but I ended up on a friend's couch in Mira Mesa. And um, I became a tow truck driver. That was, that was my life at the time. And I, I um, you know, I, you keep leveling up. Did you always know that there was more? Let's, I've had, let's, picture, let's picture Robert, yeah. 10 years old, struggling. Did you know then that there has to be more? No, I had no hope. I wanted to kill myself at 14. I, I was terrified in my 20s because I, I was terrified um, of what I was going to become. I had, I had zero hope. I, a college, I, I never even thought I'd be able to go to college. Um, that scared me. And uh, I had tremendous anxiety. I remember in sixth grade, they had to give me ulcer medication because I was so stressed out about everything. I, I had ulcers in my stomach. Um, this because and I realize now is because of my family it was because of the people around me it was because it was just constant uh strife and fighting and um just being around awful people mm -hmm. so no uh, at 10 I I didn't have any idea about what was going to happen to me and that was the most terrifying thing of all so how old were you when you looked around and you said I have some control I, I didn't get to that until my twenties. So I just, 19 was just, I, I was, had that opportunity. The DeVry recruiter was really good. And, mm -hmm. um, and so I just said, okay, sign me up. I want to learn electronics. I want to move to Phoenix. Um, I'll move to a big city and give it a try. So you had to be open just enough to recognize an opportunity. Yeah, because there was nothing in my town. I mean, I did know that. I, I did know that there was, you worked in the mall or you worked in the mill. And at the time I was like a dishwasher for one job and I was moving furniture for Sears at another one. And I was for a small town, I was making decent money, but you know, I was also working like 60 hours a week. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I knew enough to where I needed to, to somehow make it to that next step. And so escaping to Phoenix was, was the way. So those that aren't escaping, those that don't know that they have these choices to be happy, yeah. to answer your question, they're not leaving themselves perhaps open just enough for that opportunity. Yeah. I just, uh, I, I wish everyone would take a chance on something because ultimately I'm just saying we, we have the ability, like you watch the, watch the matrix again and, and start to realize like, you know, I don't follow, I don't buy everything about the matrix, but, but the concept that you can control your life and you can actually make choices that will work towards something. Um, people have a lot more pliability in the fabric of their existence than they think. And not to sound like Dr. Strange or anything, but if you just really decide like what you want your life to be like, you can put together the components to put it together. It's like a recipe for life, right? This, this didn't just happen because I said, Oh, Hey, I want to live in a nice apartment in San Diego that has giant windows and I can host parties in and, you know, and, and have this life where I get interviewed all the time by awesome vets and I get on TV and I speak in colleges and all this stuff. It didn't just happen because I like the idea. It happened because I surrounded myself with better people. I created value for everyone around me and I, I had those goals. Mm-hmm. My goals are, my, I'm pretty intense. I'm like you. I mean, you're a female Marine. I cannot think of a more intense archetype of a person that would put themselves through that abuse. It's hard for the men. I can't imagine what it's like for a female. I have stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I awful. do. I have stories. You said that your, your rage happened in the Air Force. The military kind of awoken something in you, and, and that's when the anger and the rage started happening. When did the desire come into play? Um. I think it was like 27. Of course, it was over a chick. It always is. Um, I was like 27. Can I just can yeah. I just point out your body language? <laughs> I mean, you're rubbing it as though it was over a chick. Always is. You're very observant. You're, you're like, uh, what's her name? Uh, the woman that Sherlock Holmes hates. The woman. Um, not Mary. Irene Adler. So anywho. Um, yeah. So it's 27. Um I was going out with some girl and uh, she ended up doing cocaine with some motocross rider. Uh, yeah, welcome to San Diego. These are the things you deal with. And, um, and so I, I, I just broke up with her. I read that Tony Robbins book. I think it was teaching high school at the time. And, um, and at that point, I just started running at the beach. It was the only thing. I was super fat and it was just the only thing that actually brought me any type of comfort or happiness and got me to stop thinking about her for every 10 minutes. And that's when I really started just raging out and getting intense because I wanted to just work out and look good and just, just, uh, tell her to kick rocks. Um, and so in a way, like I, I really need to thank her because it just kind of got me on that path to, uh, to achievement. And so after that, joined the reserves, um, I signed up for my doctorate and then I'm about 30 and I'm like, all right, um, I'm just going to keep going whatever the, whatever the next step is. And I started writing books. Um, I started a skateboarding company. That was my first real company. And that started the, uh, the entrepreneurial seed. And I know it sounds like I was all over my, all over the place, but I was ultimately building this foundation with all these experiences because I got my MBA. I got, sorry, I got my bachelor's so I could just attend officer school or FBI school, right? Made it in the classroom, 
I'd finished my MBA so that I could do something in business. And then in the classroom, I'm like, okay, I'm motivating these students. Uh, I'm teaching engineering. That's a whole nother story. Um, I was an engineering teacher in high school for five years. I never finished pre-algebra. Figure That's that out. <laughs> Our lives are nonlinear sometimes, but I'm a speed learning expert. I mean, Jesus, my last book was on it. So figured out the techniques. Anywho, so I said, okay, what's hard? What can I, what can I do to go to the next level to inspire my students? So I enrolled in a, a doctorate in education program. Um, oh my God. If you ever want to piss away seven years of your life, six years of your life, doing the hardest thing you can possibly do, uh, invoking depression, suicidal thoughts, and uh, ending any relationship you might have in your life, go get a doctorate. Um, really? It was like an alien abduction. I, do not, I, I could not name off four things I did from ages 30 to 36-ish uh, because I was so deep in the game. And I'm one of the lucky ones because I finished. Took me six and a half years with a learning disability, ran out of money, ended a relationship, uh, got foreclosed on in my condo, like all this different stuff. But at that point, I really got into the concept of not quitting. I was never going to be almost a doctor. I hate those people. I hate those people that wear it as a badge of courage, right? Um, there are people, there's, in doctoral studies, there are ABDs, which means all but dissertation. It means the people that have finished every single class, but they never, ever finished their doctoral dissertation or defended it. And so they'll never get their diploma, their degree. And so ABD is like, it's like 80% through and then they just quit. And there are a lot of ABDs out there. And really? I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. A lot of people just get to that point and they're like, okay, you know, they've got like half a thesis done or they've finished all their classes. And then at that point, a lot of them jump ship because they'd rather go through life as an ABD. And I was like, that's never going to be me. Did I take some time off a little bit sometimes when I was going through complete breakdowns? Yeah. But at that point, like I hung up the Ranger Creed in my wall. I started like watching Navy SEAL videos. I started running at the beach more than ever. And I never, ever stopped. I never, ever thought I I'm going to quit. Doctorate, what was your thesis on? What was your dissertation on? Measuring the effectiveness of project-based learning in conjunction with the instruction of electronics to adults. You see the Asperger's just flare in. Like uh, re repetitive. Uh, <laughs> you say wow. that a lot of times and you, uh, it gets caught in your brain. I got done. It's like 120 something pages. I actually published it as one of my books. So uh, this is my doctoral dissertation. Wow. That is really impressive. Terrible cover, but yeah. <laughs> I got better at covers. I started, I started outsourcing. <laughs> it's really impressive. But what's interesting to me is most people that have gone without any sort of just basic necessity of love and approval in their formative years, they often do things later in life to prove that out or to really be able to get that at some point. But even though your stuff is impressive, I don't get the feeling that you're doing it to impress anyone. I'll, I'll be really honest with you. The doctorate I did because it was hard. It's, uh, you know, you go through six and a half years of the worst intellectual beatings you can ever take. Um, and, and you never, ever have a moment where you're happy in, in any of these programs. Trust me. I talk to a lot of doctoral students. I actually, once, once a, uh, a month I meet up, there's a group here in San Diego, a uh, doctoral cohort and we meet up and we give like webinars and we, we train students for free. Mm -hmm. It's like a support group. Um, because mindset is the number one killer for a lot of these people. They do not have the confidence to finish the program. And, um, it's constantly moving parts and people don't understand like, because you have an academic advisor 
you have a main chair, you have a committee of people, three people, and then um, you have to deal with a few other experts and you're always chasing down people. And mm-hmm. it's very, very nerve wracking because you might wait three weeks to get an answer for a question because a lot of professors are mobile and they're always moving around. So it's just, it's, it's understanding that it's not going to be traditional school. Like MBAs are hard. They're, they're challenging to write at that level and to, you know, to commit and learn business models and all that stuff. But people are pretty ignorant about how difficult it's like going from Marine Corps basic training to like buds training and then going to like Delta training. It's ridiculous. Like the level of severity that you have to step into. And most people are not ready for it. They're not ready to uh, never have dinner with their spouse again for the next eight months. You know, they're not ready for entire weekends being gone or canceling every vacation they have for the next three years. It's, it's something else. While everything that you just said is important, I love that you're able to sidestep the question. You did not do that to impress anyone. You weren't doing that to fill a void of love and approval. You said yourself, you were, what else can, what, what's the next thing I can do that's hard as shit or inspire them, inspire my students. That's what you said. Yeah. Cause at the time that was the next evolution because I thought I was going to be a high school teacher for a while and I would have, I would have kept going, but they sacked everybody. But what's interesting is you're choosing to inspire rather than impress. Yeah, because they can't complain to me about a two page paper. If I'm writing a 126 page paper, (laughs) that's that's how I look at it. I don't want to hear it. (laughs) Your pain is not greater than mine. Exactly. Exactly. What's the next hard thing that you're going to do? Probably it's related to my next event. Um, at this, at, as of this interview, I've done two events, my own mm-hmm. personal events. Like I, li- I literally went to my hometown and in like 12 days through, through an event. It was like one of my bucket lists. I hate that expression, but it's true. It was one of my bucket list uh, ideas that I wanted to be a celebrity in my hometown. I wanted to come back and just kick ass and just teach people and, and show them some cool stuff. And so in hindsight, I nailed nine out of 10 of the benchmarks, but I just didn't have enough time. Right. Mm-hmm. I should have taken out an ad in the paper. I should have given it more time, more build up. Um, so I threw the event like the red lion and four people showed up and uh, my sister came and she's like, God, aren't you just, just uh, uh, disappointed that the turnout was so low. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, we had enough food. We had a beautiful venue. I got professional photo shoots out of it. Um, the people that showed up, like the director of the chamber of commerce, um, the director of the board of education, like everybody showed up was like some crazy VIP, uh, and like one legit college student. And I put out flyers, to all the high schools and the colleges and stuff, but it just, it, like I said, in nine, 12 days, like you can't really build up a buzz. And the, the newspaper, that was like, I still kick myself. I'm like, why didn't you advertise the newspaper? Because I'm stubborn. And so ultimately that was where I learned how to do events. And so my second event I did here in San Diego, I teamed up with a speaker named Manny Wolf. We did something called speaker media bootcamp. We made $10,000 in sales and ticket sales. And so it was a two day event. We rented some crazy uh, house in Encinitas with two swimming pools. And, and, um, and the second day was here at the at Casa Rob. And, um, so my next event will be in October. It'll be my branded event here in San Diego. And I'm going to do this one solo 
and so that's my next big thing. I've, I've got a guy that already wants to buy a ticket. And so people are going to fly in from around the country to hang out with me and learn, learn uh, my, my dark arts and magic. You're saying that your motivation, your drive is fueled by rage and desire. Is it keeping you going today? Are you still fueled by rage and desire today? Yeah, absolutely. I just, uh, I, I believe in leading from the front and I, I see so many people that make, make really weak excuses, not get what they want in life. And so I have to be that guy like, because ultimately the best feeling in the world is when somebody writes to me, especially if they don't know me and they write to me and they're like, Hey, I saw your post today and you inspired me to go to the gym or you inspired me to start a business or you inspired me to do this or that. Like I saw you, I saw you at the beach at five in the morning, just cranking out push-ups, just angry and then jumping in the ocean. You know, you, you pushed me to be a better person today. And that's, those are the greatest messages ever. Inspiration. Yeah. I, I want to show people that all of us have a superhero inside of us. Just, uh, we just need the, the, the keys. Why, why superheroes? Is it, is it something as simple as you just like superheroes or is there a, is that another escape for you? All of us romanticize superheroes because they represent who we wish we could be. Mm. We, we wish we could be the Tony Starks of the world or the Steve Rogers or the uh, Black Widow. We, we, we wish we could be these powerful, amazing, uh, physically fit people um, that save the world. Yeah. I encourage, I encourage people to find a superhero and, uh, and emulate them if it gives them motivation and inspiration. How do you do every day? Like you wake up on Tuesday. Are there days where you're just not sure how it's going to be done? where you're going to get the energy, where you're going to get the backing or? No, I have a, I have a really good routine. I do some, I almost said odd. I wouldn't say odd, but I, I do very unusual things that most people aren't willing to do. So for example, I don't eat until 11 o'clock every single day. So I never have breakfast. I take cold showers every single day, multiple times, um, just to stay alert. I discovered them a couple of years ago and they've been amazing for every component of your life, uh, especially as a guy in his early forties. Um, I take some vitamins, some supplements, uh, and then I try and hit the gym or run on, on a good week, five times a week. Um, and to answer your question, like, do I have days where I'm not sure what to do? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of this is winging it. A lot of it, I still haven't had like my ultimate goal, I think is to have a little bit more consistency in my planning and not be so freaking random about stuff. Cause I'm a little squirrely and I'm easily distracted, but cause ultimately for any entrepreneur, your day should focus on like five things. So it's, it's new client and customer acquisition, like making introductions and chasing warm leads. It is creating a new program or service for sale it's chasing media interviews. So I got lucky with you cause uh, you were just like, yeah, let's do it. Um, actual client work where you're servicing somebody or making a sale and then um, creative, like making social media and stuff. So once you dial down, those are the big, five big things that you're working on in your life. That's your life. Um, then you need to start chunking out blocks of time. And that's how I get so much done. So any given day, and this is going to blow your mind, any given day, I have a YouTube channel. I do Facebook lives. I have a magazine. I have a blog. Um, I have an email list, a Facebook group that I run. And then I have two digital courses going uh, at any given time. So it's like somewhere between eight and 11 uh, things that require Rob. And so to do all this stuff, obviously you can't have a girlfriend or kids and you have to develop systems to, uh, to augment force multipliers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
do you regret not having a girlfriend, wife, kids? At least 30 seconds every single day. Not wife, kids, just girlfriend, life partner, just best friend. A life partner, 30 seconds a day? Usually. Sometimes maybe it's five minutes if I hear a Luscious Jackson song or uh, I don't know. It's those little things. You know, you go to the mall and you see two goofy 20-year-olds holding hands. And you're just like, Jesus Christ, I've never had that in my life. Hmm. Uh, just those small things. I get, I get, oh God, I can't believe I'm telling you this. I, I get really, um, I get a little emotional when I see like couples shopping together, like buying food and doing laundry together. Like those are the two big things where I'm like, God, I wish I could just be 23 and in college and stupid and, and uh, just have that, that person that I have fun with every single day. Like, hey, go, let's go get pizza. Okay. And then we'll go do bar trivia at Hooters or something. Just somebody that's fun and whimsical. Uh, mm -hmm. And then sometimes when I hear 90s music, certain songs, it, it gets in my head a little bit. But no, nah, overall, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pretty good. I, yeah. like, I like being alone sometimes. Do you think that's, uh, that might be a little blessing in disguise? The ability to fully concentrate on who you are and what you are so that you're not bringing maybe any distrust or residual. You haven't had good role models as far as relation, functioning relationships. Do right. you feel like that's, that's going to work going to be for the good? I think if I choose the right person and they get past the uh, trials of strength that's required in the application process to date me, um, that, <laughs> that, um, what, I, what are the trials I, of strength? What, what are those? Well, I might take her out to a, a field and uh, make her lift rocks or it's very Dwight Schrudish from the office. Like they've got to, they've got to prove their worth. You know, they've got to prove that they can, uh, be a good partner and uh, have my back in a tactical situation should things go awry. Um, okay. Well, I would just recommend that you not take a girl to an empty field on the first date. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she's applying. She knows, she knows what she signed up for. I'm just saying, just saying. Okay. For those that are listening to this right now, that might be in that beautiful moment that most often people don't realize is a beautiful moment where they could go left or they could go right, that they have a choice, one of those, one of those choices that you um, listed out earlier, but they're apprehensive to make the choice. What advice do you have for them? Fear comes with any good decision. And ultimately our fears only come from four things. Hmm. Uh, fear of success, fear of failure, fear of judgment, and imposter syndrome. And so once you recognize that your fears fall into one of those four categories, you realize how unfounded they are. Um, I've had a lot of times where I've hesitated on something because I was scared that somebody would make fun of me. And I'm like, oh, wait, people called you stupid and made fun of you your whole life. What's it going to matter? And, and the people that judge us the most are the people that have no real bearing emphasis or, or impact on our lives. So why do I care? Because Everything that you're supposed to be, given your circumstance, given your, what your life trajectory was supposed to be, you, you're not. You are refusing to get into and live within a box. You didn't, take, you didn't take a drink. You didn't take a drug and decide, this is what I know, so this is what I do. You broke a cycle. Yeah, I did. And now you're breaking glass ceilings. Now you're, you're breaking levels. Yeah, I broke generational poverty for sure, which was, which was great. Nobody in my family has a master's degree, I don't think. My, maybe my grandmother. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, 
when somebody comes up to me and they, you know, they start mouthing off and they start like making accusations or any of that stuff. I mean, it is a douchey way to look at it, but it's true. It's like, Hey, Google me, Google you, you know, I, I apparently there's a hundred plus people who put me on TV, podcasts, radio, and newspapers that don't think I'm a fraud. So I don't give a shit what you think. <laughs> that's where, that's where you have to elevate yourself though. That's where any entrepreneur, any business owner, any person that wants to take that next step needs to elevate themselves mentally. You, you have to be the hero in your own story. You absolutely do. Wow. You and do. that's what's going to carry you through. That's what's going to get you that next level. That's what's going to get you attracting the right people to you and creating that powerful aura to where people will like want to be around you because your energy and you're fucking crazy and doing fun things. That's the, the, the first step. You have to understand these four fears and then understand that every single one of them will only exist if you give it energy, if you believe in it. Right. And that's the, the going back real quick. So imposter syndrome is probably number one. And so yeah. if you decided not put on your goofy little earphones and your Debbie Gibson jacket and all that stuff, but because you were scared, you weren't good enough to do this mm -hmm. and there was no reason to do it. That's imposter syndrome where you worry about, am I good enough to do this? Or am I just treating this like a hobby and no one's going to take me seriously. Imposter syndrome takes a lot of people out of the game. Even people that are making money in their jobs and in their hustle, whatever they're doing. Um, you'd be shocked how many people I talk to, especially in my Facebook group, success engineers with Dr. Rob, where we go through imposter syndrome because people still get it. Even when they're successful, they're like, I'm not sure if I feel good enough. And then maybe you have like a shit day where somebody like made fun of you online or like called you out or, or somebody did a chargeback on something. We get these days where we kind of question our level of skill. And so that's, that's the main thing people need to get over. Oh, well, the second half, we're going to dig deep into that. Good. Because I really feel like you have a method to how to take all of that and turn it into a reassessment and a strategy to go to the next level rather than a er, stop what you're doing. It's why and my book is called the next level. <laughs> <laughs> I had to work on myself a lot on the personal level um, before I could achieve in business. And so that's why I'm glad we're doing a two parter. Thank you for this, by the way. So people can hear my no. crazy ramblings twice. Thank um, you. I had to get past all the low self-esteem. I had to get past all my issues with women. I had to get past uh, a lot of rejection. Um, and I had to become a person that I'm proud of when I look in the mirror. Like even today, like I got up and I went to the gym because I'm taking care of myself like I should. And it's just those small things, direct action. So since we're on the personal side of the house, I encourage people, whoever's listening, um, hopefully hundreds of thousands of people, uh, take inventory as to which aspects of your life you feel are lacking. And so you and I were talking about my social life and my personal life and, and how I should be around people more. And it's very true because ultimately how do you grow as a person and be a better person in your own eyes? Because you have to love yourself before other people can love you. Mm -hmm. and that was one of the things I, I figured out in my thirties. It wasn't, I wasn't angry and alone because of all the, all women are crazy. Um, I was angry and alone because I was unlovable. And so that was one of the biggest things. I didn't love myself. I hated myself. I hated every aspect of my life. And then I, I learned to turn that around and focus on relationships with, with people, both romantic and, and business wise. And just, I think that's why people attract to me because I go out of my way to make sure everyone around me grows. It's what I've said since day one, a rising tide lifts all ships and those goofy sailors made that up, but it's, it's true. Um, you create value for every person around you. You become selfless, not selfish. 
Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, like everyone will come around. Right. We are round one is coming to a close. Thank you for those closing thoughts. Thank you for identifying the four fears. That's what we're going to be unpacking as it pertains to our professional and business life. Yeah. Part one done. Awesome. Done. And on to part two. This is amazing. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. It It was my pleasure being here. Awesome. All right. Stay tuned for part two where we get into the business side of things. And you can follow us on wherever you stream your podcast, iTunes, the browser at Transistor.fm, Spotify, Podbean, Google Play. Um, All the links will also be attached to this video as well. All right. So catch us next week when we get into business with Dr. Rob. Thank you for being here.